Hey, y'all. Welcome back to Southern Solstice Podcast. This week in episode four, we're going to go back and check on Larkin, who we left passed out cold in the hospital after she dropped a knife on her toe, helping Lil make quiche. I decided to post my mom's quiche recipe on my blog. You can find it at sarahsadler.com. And a quiche is really just a casserole, and Southerners love their casseroles. That's why if somebody has a baby, you bring a casserole. Somebody dies, you take the family a casserole. I was lucky enough to be raised in casserole country in North Carolina and was fully immersed in the casserole culture, which is you better expect to find just a mile-long stretch of casseroles at any after-church potluck you go to. And you better know who makes what casseroles, and don't you dare bring your own version of it. That is cardinal rule. But um, quiche is a casserole in my book, and this one even more so because it doesn't have a crust. So check it out. Give casseroles a chance. And here we go. Chapter 4, Sycamore. Larkin squinted under fluorescent lights in a quiet, sterile room. It took only a second to remember what had happened as she propped her head up, looking for Lil. She was still in the wheelchair, the knife standing upright in her toe, and the same nurse who was in the kitchen sat in a rolling chair beside her. You're fine, the nurse said, smiling when she saw Larkin was awake. Probably just got a little woozy when you saw all that blood. It happens. Nothing to be embarrassed about. I understand you've been under some stress lately, too. That may have had something to do with it, bless your heart. The nurse got up and opened a cabinet that stored medical supplies. Your grandmother went to finish up lunch prep. She didn't want to leave you, but I told her you just needed a couple of stitches and not to worry. I didn't cut it off, Larkin asked, biting her lip from the pain. It sure felt like I did. Oh, goodness, no, the nurse said, chuckling. It looks like a real clean cut. The doctor's just going to remove the knife very carefully and put a couple stitches in. It shouldn't be too bad. The nurse finished arranging a medical tray full of items needed for sutures and handed Larkin a clipboard of forms to fill out. Someone will be in to fix you all up in a minute or two. I'll come back later to get your paperwork finalized. The nurse closed the small examination room door and Larkin listened as her rubber-soled shoes squeaked down the hall back to the nurse's station. The room felt more like a private doctor's office than a hospital and Larkin felt relieved that she was spared the embarrassment of the emergency room. She looked around slowly at the pinstriped wallpaper and inspirational artwork hanging on the walls. A streak of pain zinged her toe when she heard the customary rat-a-tat-tat announce the arrival of a visitor. A tall, flaxen man with light brown hair and deep brown eyes swung the door wide open, ushering in a gust of stale hallway air. He stopped at the clipboard on the wall, tilting his head sideways to read the nurse's notes. Larkin noticed immediately that he wore dark navy scrub pants and a light gray Jaspay t-shirt, but no customary white medical coat. The doctor reached for the back of a rolling chair, spinning it around forcefully before sitting down and rolling towards Larkin with a dazzling, engaging smile. Oh, that's a new one, he said, looking down at the knife in Larkin's foot. Were you making anything good? What? Larkin asked, dazed by his sudden presence. Well, you don't look like the knife-throwing type, so my guess is you were cooking... The doctor kept his eyebrows raised in question. Plus, your apron gave it away. Oh, right, Larkin said, looking down at the pink ruffles on her apron and suddenly feeling self-conscious. I was helping my grandmother. Looks like you were doing one hell of a job, the doctor said, hesitating on Larkin's face for a second before looking away again. Lucky for you, I do better sutures than anyone. He bit at the side of his lower lip before releasing a full-fledged smile, like he knew something that she didn't. Let's take a look at your handiwork here. 
For the first time, Larkin heard a southern drawl leak through his otherwise non-regional accent. The doctor leaned over Larkin's foot, pursing his lips together in review and glancing side to side at the entry point of the knife. Larkin sat impossibly still, not wanting to interfere with the inspection. She was unable to help from noticing his shoulder blades, though, perfectly muscled through the stretchy t-shirt fabric. She noticed the way that his arms were built, long and lean with visible definition on his biceps, more like the arms of a surfer than those of a hospital doctor. Though his complexion was fair, the golden hues that shimmered across his skin were evidence of spending time in the sun. His hair was short and thick, strands of it looking naturally highlighted in flecks of gold, maybe remnants of being blonde as a child, a few gray pieces serving more as a testament to stress than age. Trying to practice some restraint, Larkin leaned a little closer and subtly hovered over him. He smelled ruggedly delicious like fresh air in sycamore. One, two, three, the doctor said quietly, applying pressure with his hand to the top of Larkin's right foot. His palm was warm and soft on Larkin's cold, bloodless foot. In one smooth, piercing motion, the doctor pulled the knife out of Larkin's toe and immediately applied gauze to stop the bleeding. You all right, he said, looking up at Larkin intently. He held the gauze in place and stretched his other arm to the metal tray, laying the knife down with a careless thud. Fine, thanks, Larkin lied, sitting back as far as the wheelchair would allow. His face was so close to hers that she thought he might kiss her, or worse, she might kiss him. She felt ashamed for being so attracted to someone else. Maybe it was the pain in her foot that distracted her, but she noticed that the constant throbbing in her chest was gone, at least temporarily. I think you only need three or four sutures, the doctor said reassuringly. Is it going to hurt? Larkin asked, feeling immediately childish. She glanced down at his hand to look again for a wedding ring. No ring. Nah, I'll numb the area really well first. You'll barely feel a thing. He watched the skepticism on Larkin's face. His eyes went dark, silky brown, as he stared straight at her. You should trust me. I'm really good. I bet you are. Larkin's thoughts caused a streak of red to flash across her cheeks. She suddenly felt desperate for trying to find hidden meaning in his words. Wonderful, she said, pretending to have not read into any innuendos. He reached down to Larkin's shoe and unbuckled the clasp with one try before gently removing the shoe from her foot, careful not to graze the wound. He propped her foot up beside his leg on the chair and moved closer to examine the cut under the gauze. He gave her another big smile and wheeled over to the metal tray. Now I'm great at sutures, but needles are a passion of mine, he said, reaching for the syringe that was pre-filled with the clear, numbing liquid. I won't hurt you a bit. Should I be alarmed at how much you seem to enjoy this? She bit the inside of her cheek for flirting with him. Hey, what can I say, he defended. I'm a surgeon. I love it all. I mean, most days I don't have pretty girls with kitchen knives stuck in their designer shoes, so maybe I'm a little more eager than usual. This is as exciting as my day's gonna get. Surgeon, huh? Larkin asked. You don't have anything better to do? I mean, stitching up a pinky toe seems trivial in comparison to surgery. There's no one to slice and dice today, doctor. Her voice was a little too high to pass for relaxed. I'm sorry, I didn't catch your name. Larkin wanted to take it back immediately. She didn't want to know his name. She didn't want him to even have a name. You can't be hurt by someone whose name you don't know. Nope, all I've done is check new patient charts and advise the first-year residents on things they should already know, he said, shaking his head. And it's Miles. I'm sorry. I should have introduced myself. Apparently, bedside manner isn't my strong suit. Shit. Now she had a name to go with his engaging smile, the shoulder blades that could open a tin can, his subtle, undeniably sexy scent, and those deep, soulful eyes. At least she didn't know his first name. 
he would remain as Dr. Miles in her fantasy. Shit, memory, not fantasy. Dr. Miles repositioned her foot on the chair beside him and approached her pinky toe with the needle. Oh, you might not want to watch, Dr. Miles cautioned through a grimace. I hear you've been known to get a little queasy. Larkin rolled her eyes in agreement and changed her gaze to the ceiling. After about 30 seconds, she felt pressure on her pinky toe. She looked down to see him gently squeezing her foot all over, surprised to not feel any pain. Anything? he asked casually, surveying her face. Larkin slowly shook her head, amazed that she hadn't even felt a needle prick. I think you got it, Larkin said, rotating the ankle that she'd kept motionless. I thought so, he said happily. I'll give you a couple more minutes to numb up completely, and then we'll start the sutures. He stood up quickly and opened the exam room door, disappearing in only a couple of strides. Larkin untied the apron in the back and slipped it over her head before laying it over the back of the wheelchair. She caught a reflection of herself in one of the framed inspirational posters. Her hair must have taken the brunt of her unconsciousness. Most of her ponytail had fallen out. She had frizzy flyaways on either side of her temples, and the top of her hair was about three inches too high, resembling a rat's nest. It was a miracle that no one had checked her for electric shock. Larkin loosened the ponytail, flipping her hair over and shaking it all out into one mass of loose curls before collecting it all again and smoothing it down. She pressed the wrinkles out of her dress and unsuccessfully repositioned the top of the dress to reveal any cleavage that was available. Pointless. She was wiping at the mascara creases under her eyes when she heard Dr. Miles. He knocked and opened the door simultaneously, then stopped cold when he saw Larkin. Huh, he said, continuing into the room. I thought I had the wrong patient for a second. Larkin laughed resentfully. All right, Dr. Miles started. Let's do this. He began to walk towards her and then stopped again, crossing his arms and looking her over thoughtfully. What is it? Larkin asked. She smoothed her hair again. You're wearing a dress and I'm trying to figure out how to get you on the exam table so I can do the sutures properly. He rubbed at his face and thought. I can get up there fine, Larkin said, looking at him puzzled. Well, I'm sure you can get on, but I need your foot to be flat, and I'm not sure how you'll sit without... Oh, Larkin cut him off. Without flashing you? Bingo, Dr. Miles said, eyebrows raised. To Larkin's surprise, he actually looked embarrassed. I've got it, he said after thinking for another couple of seconds. If you don't mind sitting at the end of the table, you can just put your foot on my leg. I think that will work for me, if that's okay with you. Sure. She stood up from the wheelchair, putting the pressure of her right leg onto the heel of her foot. You got it, Dr. Miles said, watching to make sure. Let's not take any more chances. Larkin reached for the arm that he extended and steadied herself before beginning the four-foot walk to the exam table. Before she could contest it, he had his arm under her right elbow and was lifting her up like a human crutch to compensate for the injured foot. She could feel the muscle in his arm flex with each small step they took and noticed how her head came exactly to the top of his shoulder. The delightful fragrance that she had smelled earlier was intensified now, sweet in a masculine sort of way. The table was low enough for her to climb on without his help, and once she was settled on the edge of the table, Dr. Miles sat down on the exam chair and wheeled over to her, bringing with him the metal tray of medical supplies. He adjusted his chair up and down until he found the perfect height for Larkin's foot to fit on his leg. He reached out for her foot, pulling her ankle closer to him and placing it firmly on his thigh. Being this close to him made her heart race a little, and she once again steadied her breathing, telling herself how immature it was to read into anything. Dr. Miles fell silent, moving in close with needle and thread in hand, concentrating on his work. Larkin felt only pressure in her foot again and kept her eyes on the ceiling, uninterested in the doctor's self-proclaimed skill set. 
Five minutes later, Dr. Miles tied the last suture and snipped the extra material off. Good as new, he said, proud of his handiwork. Except for the scar I'll have for the rest of my life, this wasn't too bad, Larkin said, shrugging. Scar? Eh, you won't have one, Dr. Miles said matter-of-factly. I don't leave scars. He smiled arrogantly. Oh, it's okay, it's just a pinky toe, Larkin said, lifting her foot up enough to see the stitches. Besides, I might need a permanent reminder of kitchen safety from time to time. Nah, Dr. Miles corrected her. It'd be a shame to leave a scar on such a pretty foot. He carefully wrapped her foot with gauze and bandage tape before washing his hands. I hope that you learned your lesson with knives, though, Dr. Miles said as he reached down for Larkin's right shoe. No future in the circus for you. I'll try to stay out of the kitchen from now on, she said, hopping off the table and taking the shoe, inspecting the damage. Dr. Miles smiled. The numbing agent will begin to wear off in about 30 minutes, and you'll want to keep that foot elevated. Do you have someone to pick you up? His eyes searched her face, waiting for her answer. Larkin nodded. Well then, Dr. Miles said, turning for the door. That's my cue. It was a pleasure meeting you today. He sounded so professional now, but his eyes were the same friendly chocolate brown as before. Thanks, Larkin said sarcastically. I had a great time. Dr. Miles let out a muffled laugh and closed the door behind him. She felt a dipping feeling in her stomach, and the fracture in her chest was noticeable again. For a brief second, she wished her heart was visible. Maybe then he could suture it up so David wouldn't leave a scar either. Nurse Jenkins knocked on the door and came in quietly. Did you survive, honey? Oh yeah, I'm fine, Larkin said, blowing the stitches off. She sat down in the wheelchair, placing the shoe in her lap. Well, you sure got lucky in the surgical department, Nurse Jenkins said. We only have that doctor here every once in a while when our chief of medicine is out. We call him the Phantom Doctor. So he doesn't work here, Larkin asked, trying to veil her disappointment. Nope, Nurse Jenkins shook her head. But even an old gray mare like me can appreciate a man like that. She handed Larkin her bloodied shoe. Oh, really? Larkin teased. Guess I didn't notice. Nurse Jenkins shot her a look over the frame of her reading glasses, acknowledging the lie. Oh, come on now, honey. You hurt your toe, not your head. After Nurse Jenkins gave Larkin some topical medication for the stitches, instructions on how to clean the wound, and a date to come back for a checkup, Lil scurried into the room. Well, isn't this par for the course, she said, looking at Larkin's bandaged toe, shaking her head. Can you believe all this? Your first day back and we've got you sliced up like a spiral ham. Some welcome home, huh, babe? Oh, it's fine, Lil, Larkin said convincingly. These things happen, at least to me they do. Not for long. It's all going to turn around. It's just got to. Lil squeezed Larkin's hand and sighed deeply. Well, I've got a couple things left to do in the kitchen, but Bart should be waiting outside for you. Nurse Jenkins will roll you on out there. Nurse Jenkins nodded in agreement and pushed Larkin's wheelchair out of the door and down the hallway. Just as Lil had said, Bart was there to greet Larkin when Nurse Jenkins wheeled her outside. Larkin once again thanked the nurse while Bart helped her into the passenger seat of his Mercedes CL550 coupe. Maybe I should work for my mom, Larkin joked with Bart, touching the buttery leather seats of the black car and carefully placing the damaged shoe in the floorboard. Yes, Bart agreed. Your family has been very good to me over the years. Bart didn't talk much. All the same, he communicated well without words, and Larkin had always appreciated that about him. She had never lingered much on the fact that, in some strange way, he had been the father figure in her life. There was no doubt that Bart was part of the family. Speaking of work... Bart said in a calm, lucid voice. Have you had much time to think about what you might want to do now that you are back? Larkin swallowed hard. Hmm, no, not really, she said. It might be good, though, to stay busy, focus on something other than... 
to focus on something else. Bart nodded at her from the driver's side. Certainly, he said. Larkin quickly scrolled through the Rolodex of possible job options in her mind, but every single one stemmed from Bunny, or worse, Bunny's friends. Thanks for coming to pick me up, Larkin said casually, changing the subject. This whole foot thing, it's really not as bad as it looks. She leaned towards the floorboard, inspecting the bandage once again. Well, you'll need to convince your mother of that, Bart said stoically as they crossed over Gibbs Street. She came home as soon as Lil called her. Larkin immediately slouched in the passenger seat. The Mercedes purred into the driveway of the Ashby house, quickly pulling to a stop once Bart positioned the car in its usual location by the urn-shaped water fountain. It took less than five seconds for Bunny to dramatically cascade down the back steps when she heard the car pull in. Lark, she pleaded, running to her daughter's side. This is just the last thing you need right now. Are you in pain? How bad is it? Can you wear heels? Bunny held her hand to her head, letting out an exasperated sigh. Mama, please, I'm fine, Larkin said, beginning to laugh at the ridiculousness of the situation. It's just a scratch. It really wasn't all that bad. She tucked the bloody shoe behind her back. Who was the doctor on call, Bunny asked. Hopefully somebody that's been thoroughly vetted. I don't know, some guy. Larkin thought about Dr. Miles, saddened by the fact that she might not see him again. I want you to get straight in bed and rest, Bunny said sternly. That's what you should have done today anyway. Oh, how careless of me to think that you were ready for the real world so soon. I blame myself. I blame you too, Mama, Larkin mocked. Bart, Bunny said, turning quickly toward him. I need you to have Carrie clear my schedule for the rest of the week. I have more important things to tend to right now, and well, I'm sure everyone will understand. They'll just have to. Bart nodded in agreement. Consider it done. Set for my spa day at the club, she added, patting at her skin, and see if they can add Larkin, too. She needs a full workup. Larkin was walking better on her injured foot now, keeping her toes up and applying all of the pressure from her right leg to the heel of her foot. The numbing medicine was beginning to wear off, though, and small tinges of pain were rippling through her toe. With Bart's help, Larkin climbed the stairs up to her bedroom, careful not to seem too dependent on his help. He would never say anything to imply it, but Larkin felt badly that he had been pulled away in the middle of his daily tasks to play nurse to her. Once Bart was convinced she could maneuver in her own bedroom, he closed the door quietly behind him. Larkin searched through the closet again, pulling out a pair of sweatpants and a paper-thin t-shirt that had somehow managed to escape the wardrobe massacre that Bunny had ordered. After Larkin maneuvered the bandaged foot into bed, Bunny brought her a mysterious little white pill that she promised would rid her of any pain and then kissed her forehead before apologizing yet again. Larkin, exhausted and drugged, replayed her time with Dr. Miles before falling into a deep, dreamless sleep. Thank you so much for listening to episode four. As always, you can buy the ebook on Amazon or iTunes, and you can find the paperback on Amazon and wherever books are sold. See you next time.